An aggressive Jason Tatum triple-doubles in an epic win against the Dallas Mavericks. Great games from Smart and Grant Williams as well. Plus, Noah Vonley traded next on First of the Floor. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Joining us on this one, Celtics connoisseur Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how you doing, sir? <laughs> Very well. I got my Gino T-shirt on. I had it on for the hey. uh, for the the, uh, the the playback, but I also have it on here today. Justified. Doing very well. Thanks, sir. <laughs> nice. Good to hear. Also joining us, Jake <laughs> Eisenberg, somewhere near the border between New South Wales and Victoria, Australia. Jake, welcome back to the grid. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy New Year, sir. How you doing? Good. Back on the grid. Um, <laughs> I left the Celtics for good, and I, uh, I've come back, and the Celtics is still really good. I don't. I'm sure there was nothing that happened in in the middle there. Yeah, Jake, about Jake Eisenberg. Jake Eisenberg, have you been in a fugue state? <laughs> I went on, and that's it. I just had to vision quest. And also joining us, introducing himself there, Joe, our New Zealand correspondent. Joe, how you doing, man? Welcome back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, well, we're all we're all a box of fluffy ducks after a win, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> talk about it. Nothing less. Guys, the Celtics, they just straight up dominated the Mavericks, 124 to 95. Jackson, we'll start with you. What were your main takeaways from this one? We'll do a bit of around the room here. My my main takeaway is just we responded because, you know, you you get the absolute, you know, shell-shocking beatdown of 150 points to set 117 against the Thunder. And you think to yourself, like, on one hand, yeah, this just could be a night off that they're having, that they're hitting everything. But, like, is there some deeper, you know, real, you know, issue with this team? To come back against an MVP um candidate in Luka Doncic and a team that I think was fourth or fifth in the West, you know, by no means an easy assignment and to just blow them out by 30. Uh, it just reaffirms that like, you know, I think this team is very capable of getting out of adversity and, you know, really alleviates whatever concerns I had, you know, <laughs> a couple of hours ago, because this was just the performance that you needed. So just a great bounce back, bounce back performance by the guys. I don't know if they're ever going to learn the lessons that they need to learn um, that like the league has gotten so good. And so talented that if you just take a night off and think that you can just kind of roll in and, and beat someone, you're just not you're just gonna lose. It could, it could be the Spurs the next game. I don't know if they're gonna have learnt their lesson after this little mini slide here and then get back on track, but you have to turn up and when they play the right way and and they play as hard as they did tonight, I still think they're the best team in the league. It's just when they when they when they take the foot off the off the gas, they can look really bad. Um, they really take it off the gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. I'm almost, um, you know, making it up as we go and the classic style that which we're accustomed to. I almost wonder, um, I almost wonder whether we, whether it plays to our advantage, play, you know, against the heliocentric type teams. You know, I wonder if defensively we're a little better equipped um, to do that. Maybe we, um, we just find it a little easier to key in on one dominant player. Um, you know, I, I'm just wondering yes. if, you know, Luke, it was easy to defend for us to defend Luca, you know, and given the nature of the Dallas, the way they play, maybe that's just easiest for us to play defense against. I mean, he has cooked mm. us on occasion, but this year, especially, I think we've, we've done a really good job on him. And I think broadly, that's actually pretty accurate. I mean, Embiid, there's no better team that playing Embiid than the Celtics. 
Giannis similar. KD is like the Celtics are the only team that's been able to slow him down from being the best player in the league um, at all in the kind of the last 12 months. So, yeah, I think those types of teams, yeah. And maybe, again, that's a mentality thing. You know, that those superstars are coming to town and the whole team's ready to lock in. They're more locked in on when to double, yeah. um, when to dig. Mm. Um, I feel they take the challenge on, you know, if they're yeah. challenged and it's some, and there's like, is it something that like really means something here? We got to stop this guy from, you know, dominating us. Yeah. Probably the Nuggets game aside. Um, yeah. They just seem to rise to the challenge. Mm. Whereas if it's opponent that, you know, has all the makings of a trap game, they're just like, they're a little bit like, you know, I think Lazy Dar about it. So um, yeah, no, I think that rings true for sure. They did seem, I mean, you guys have already touched on it as well, but just generally more locked in on both ends and, for me, it was just like nice to see that they still know how to to be that way, like to be the the old Celtics that we came to know and love early on in the season. You know, we hadn't seen them act that way in the Nuggets game, really. I mean, a lot of people are saying that the Nuggets, like they played well and it just came down to shooting variants. I maintain that the Celtics lackluster defense in the early part of that game led to that high percentage shooting from the Nuggets. And then the OKC game, sure, an anomaly, 150 points from an SGA-less Thunder, sure. Like, take what you will from that. But in this game, like, there wasn't that let-up period, except maybe in the fourth quarter where they did let them claw back a little bit. They came out strong, uh, playing decisively, playing some of that .5 basketball, uh, and never really let up. So it was just good to see them be their old selves again, I suppose, which is not something that we've seen uh, in a little while. Getting down to some of the individual performances, the name, obviously, Jason Tatum is the first one that jumps off the page. His second career triple-double We'll come back to Tatum. Yes. Jake, I was really impressed with Marcus Smart's one-on-one defense on Luka Doncic. Doncic gets his own and did get his own like statistically in this game, but I thought that he was really severely limited by by Marcus Smart. What did you see from Smart in this one, Jake? Depoy Smart was out there tonight. Um, the play that sticks out, Rob and Marcus had him kind of cornered in the in the bottom right corner, kind of on the screen, if you're watching the the YouTube right now. Um, and usually you see those highlights of Luca that kind of looks, looks one of, one of those double team defenders off and fires a, a pass to an open three point shooter. He's got Mark, when Marcus is, you know, playing at this level defensively, um, it's the ability to stay in front. And what makes Luca so tough to guard is that he's so strong. And, and Marcus has always been a guy that's been able to guard one through five, Everybody, you know, people love posting him up because he's because he's short. Um, it's surprising. It's it's always surprising that people around the league still haven't learned that posting Marcus Smart up is is never a good idea. Um, but yeah, this was he was coordinating, communicating, getting everybody in the right spot. Um, yeah, look at these, just getting the arms back. Just just Luca has been making a lot of these shots, and and then the difference being to throw on one of the best perimeter defenders of the past five to ten years on him. Makes his night a lot more difficult. Ball mm. pressure, eh? Ball pressure, yeah. ball pressure, ball pressure. I almost thought um, in the in the um, in the playback, I was like, I- I'm surprised they didn't just outright deny him, make someone else bring the ball up. Um, I would have, I would have been really interesting to see Luca really have to work to get hold of the ball in the first instance. Um, but maybe that's maybe that's something you save for save for a playoff. Adjustment or something like that. I don't know, but um, yeah. but there was su- certainly sufficient pressure tonight to to make him uncomfortable. Clearly, yeah. 
It's it seemed that he picked up an injury as well too, and like you know you could mm. may say as might say that it was the injury that was keeping him you know from you know being his best. But like you, un, you can't deny that like the the job that Marcus was doing on him, and like when the doubles were coming over, um, it was fantastic. And you know yeah, you look at the stat sheet and you think oh yeah that's a you know maybe a little bit below average Luka Doncic game. In reality, he was well below average tonight. You know we made him look you know nowhere near the MVP type of caliber player that he was. He had to like rely heavily on free throws to get those numbers up. You take that out of the equation, then it's just like it's 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 a very, very poor game from him. I know. Yeah. Um Luca, sorry Ben. Luca Luca does this. If he's not having a good game, doesn't happen that often. He's tends to the injuries tend to pop up. Um <laughs> I, I have a feeling he won't be on the uh injury report um for the next game or he'll play the next game. Raphael at Hoopist NBA, my number, my favorite Mavs follow. Um, yeah, he said the same thing. Oh yeah, you ha- having a crap night? Shocking, shocking that the ankle's starting to not feel so good all of a sudden on national TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, yeah I think, I think Luca was he's going to be all right. Like Seven for twenty-three. About, oh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Joe. Oh, you know, there's that whole thing about when guys miss a shot, they'll like look at their hands and wipe them on their yeah. shorts. <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs> Same sort of thing. Uh. <laughs> that's that's my post-miss routine as well in my, in my <laughs> Red Phone C-grade league. Uh, seven for 23 with the shooting numbers, 30.4% from Luca in this one. Uh, clearly troubled by the Celtics defense, uh, spearheaded by Marcus Smart there. I guess getting to some other individual performances, we should go back to Jason Tatum. Jackson, 10 assists. Are you? I'm seeing some noise on Twitter, particularly from non-Celtics fans, about um, little concern about crediting that tenth assist <laughs> to Jason Tatum. There was a, a lot of time between the pass and the Derek White finish there, which we might see at the tail end of this highlight clip that we're running. Yeah. Um, dare I ask how you feel about that? I'm sure you're going to feel quite positive towards it, given you're a Celtics fan. Look, yeah, I mean, of course, of course, it's it's great to see because I think like the 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 <laughs> the recipe for MVP this year is to is to average a triple double, but like you know a thirty, a fifteen, and a ten and eleven, you know, is got to be your kind of numbers there. So to see him sort of get in amongst that action is cool. Look, they take that that last assist off him, or like whether it was an assist or not, like who gives man? Like mm. he was he was he probably didn't have his best game to be to be to be fair until probably you know the back end of the third quarter and, and throughout most of the fourth, but like. You need your players to, you know, deliver in the fourth and to like, you know, just keep that game from, you know, sliding back into a contest, which it very nearly did. So, um, no, I thought he did everything he needed to. Like his shot wasn't there. there, to start. there it is. Yeah, it, that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, not I wasn't assist. watching. I know. It, wait, I think if you jab step, yeah, you have to nullify like the the assist straight away. So <laughs> if they take it off him, then so be it. But look, um, yeah, if the shot is not falling for him, then you know I, I want him to pass the ball, and he did. And and you know, ten assists, nine assists, whatever you call it. It's still a twenty-nine point win that he was integral in. So it's a it's a great showing from Tatum overall. Look, look if you if you play the player prop gambling game with assists, you know that there's some wild inconsistencies with oh, yeah. how they track these assists. Um, <laughs> I know back when I used to play like NBA Live, you know, oh six oh seven, and you're trying to hit your guys triple doubles. Um, it was like you get away with one dribble, like maybe so, like you know, you, you throw a fast break pass outlet. Yet one dribble, so they can kind of get a layup. The fact that you get two dribbles for an assist. Um, I wonder if there was uh, someone from St. Louis on the on the on the scorecard tonight tracking some of that stuff. It's an old childhood <laughs> friend potentially. 
Dick Light, maybe. <laughs> that's what they need to. That's what they, the NBA needs to open up, or an independent review board needs to open up the the the, um, the dubious assist panels and go back. And it just it turns out that Russell Westbrook season, no, it was actually eight point two assists rather than whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. So maybe well, one day the John Stockton. Yeah, program. this is the John Stockton theory. Is it like his assist numbers are just so significantly inflated because in in Utah it was like he was getting like forty percent extra assist because of the home cooking. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, to me, it goes to show like how flawed a stat assists are yeah. because Tatum made the right play mm-hmm. and so did Derek White. It was not an assist. Absolutely yeah. not. Derek White had to pump fake then drive. It just it didn't yeah. directly lead to the basket. But both guys made the right play there and that's what actually counts. And 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 if he was gonna chase an assist there, he might have like he might have probably was more likely to turn it over, you know? You certainly the ball gets stickier. Um, but it wasn't. He made the right play. It just wasn't an assist. So, hey, I'm happy to. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm happy for it to be rescinded. We got the win because of that sort of mentality. Yeah, but it does. It does kind of speak to like. Yeah, you're right. We and and Tatum doesn't get big assist numbers, and in part due to like the way that the Celtics play the the ball movement. He's not. He's not heliocentric at all. Um, but that's part of why he's always been in like an insane. Um, advanced metric guy, like whenever he's on the on the court, he's he's bringing you elite defense, and on the other end, he's kind of just making the right play um, and stuff, pushing yeah. pushing the offense in the uh, in the right direction. So yeah, Tatum's never been a. And we were on the on the playback. I was I was just watching you guys in the chat, and you guys were all pushing for a triple double, as was I. Um, and he just loaded up for another step back three. I don't. I don't think he cares at all about the triple double. He'd much prefer to go for forty two <laughs> and two than ten, twelve and twelve. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. It's a great mumba mentality over magic yeah. mentality. For sure. <laughs> the great comment here in the chat from Jeffrey Francis, citing mm. Chris Forsberg. J to J assists last season seventy two. This season sixty five already, uh, which was amazing. Uh, and Sports Aptitude, our buddy Eric Weiss in the chat, uh, mentioning Grant Williams, who we're going to get to in a second. But yes, before sir. we move on, I just feel like rather than nitpicking on Tatum's 10th assist, we should actually talk about his impact in the game overall a little bit. He was very aggressive coming out in this game. Didn't shoot particularly well. We've got the box score up on the screen, 8 for 22 uh, from the floor, 2 for 8 from 3, but uh, was consistent in his aggressiveness and actually getting downhill getting to the bucket, and then those 10 assists come from the passing lanes that were opened by the defense just collapsing on his uh, incessant driving constantly throughout the game. Joe, did you see anything different from from Tatum in this one? Because it did feel like he was sort of dialing it up a little bit based on the team's recent performances. Um, I think it was clearly aggressive about getting into the into the paint. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm not, not giving anyone any great insight there, but... He wasn't looking for um like he wasn't looking for that step back, right? And I don't really love that step back that much. So I was pretty happy about that. Um when the ball hits the paint, good things happen. And um Tatum made that happen a lot tonight. Anyone else? Uh Jake or Jackson, any sort of parting thoughts on, on Tatum before we move on? Clearly the people want Grant Williams talk, so we, we have to move on. Yes, I love it. I love <laughs> it. I was bo- happy to go <laughs> there. <laughs> who oh, wants, no, who wants to take us there? Who take <laughs> yeah, us to, yeah. to Grantland, Jackson or Jack? Well, I mean, I like I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, as you said, on the border of Victoria and New South Wales in this weird house. Like, if you go to my my Twitter um, and you can see my setup, I've got my computer like on my on a lamp with like if I touch this, 
it's we're going down. Um, and I got done watching the game with a couple <laughs> of friends that aren't you know you know big basketball fans, and um, Grant Williams was cooking early, and they're like, "Wait, did, didn't didn't you in the podcast interview uh, his dad?" And we're like, "We did <laughs> oh, indeed." Yeah. We did indeed. The best hashtag growing in the game. game. Yeah. Hashtag growing yeah, yeah. the game. <laughs> exactly. Hashtag growing the game. Um, yeah. The best player on the court, it looked like, early in the game. Um, Grant was huge, huge in this game. Um, early, knocking down shots. Um, he, 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 I think he, he may have even airballed the shot, but I think we've been calling on this podcast for him to be a bit more quick trigger with either the shot or just attacking. And he quick triggered a corner three and he missed it like pretty badly, but it was like the perfect process in my opinion. Like he just, if he's going to be playing, he just needs to, oh, um, sorry if you just saw the screen start to wobble there. Um, <laughs> he needs to, he needs to be aggressive and needs to be um, making those decisions quickly. Um, the defense uh, was, was good tonight, but yeah, the, yeah, Eric in the chat here, the counter spin, um, he, he had Reggie Bullock in the post one time and I'm just like, Go Grant. Like there are, if you get this like these medium sized wings on you, um, when there's like ten or less seconds to go on the shot clock, um, take him down in the post. That's a good shot for the Celtics yeah. offense. Like he's really good down low when he gets a mismatch. Like thick boy, um, that spin move, he gets down low, the little floaters he was knocking down today. Uh, it was a really all around all around game for Grant and spoke to the more broadly um the great performance from the bench, which we've been kind of lacking. Uh, apparently, not that I saw the, the the bad performance from the bench the last game. Apparently, yeah. this 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 non-existent bench. Yeah, they, they that bench like staying with Grant, but like twenty-seven to two, I think was the points total for the for the bench Celtics to the Mavs at halftime. And like, if that's that's a that's almost impossible to overcome that's unless wild. you've got like Doncic doing like his his regular things. But yeah, man, Grant was. Grant was spectacular. No, just decisiveness, you know. Like, I don't mind him, you know, pump faking and driving in there, even though I think a better option is to shoot the three. But like like you said, Jake, just just quick decision-making, decisiveness. My favorite player that he had, I think he took it into the paint and was about to go up and then found uh, Robert Williams right underneath, who ended up getting fouled. Again, we talk about the dubious assist. That's the right play to make. Probably should have given him like a an honorary assist for that play. Um, obviously they didn't, but, um, no, just, just the, the type of game that we've needed from Grant that we, we need sort of, you know, on a more consistent basis. Um, cause when, with him coming off the bench with that kind of, with that kind of, um, that kind of offense and defense, you know, we, we, we look like how we looked, you know, at the start of the season. So, and he's proving himself to be a, a very, very important piece of that machinery. I got a couple things. I got a couple things, Ben. Okay. Let's so I'm working on a theory. It might be wrong. It might be right. But I think, um, our offense is functioning well. A sign of our offense functioning well is Grant having a lot of three-point attempts, like like four or more. And um, you know, um, I think when we when we play, it's it's like, yeah, it looks like the bench struggles, but if Grant's not getting three-point attempts, that says that there's something wrong with the flow of our offense. Because Grant doesn't mm. take step back off the dribble threes, right? So that's the first thing. So obviously that happened tonight. He got he got to take threes. When he gets to take threes. That's when he's effective because he's got his closeout game that you know, he can he can drive off the closeouts. Now, one of his flaws I've noticed because I I just love Grant Williams so much because I feel like he's like the NBA version of me. He's got the <laughs> same flaws. <laughs> and one of my things, I know I do this, is I like get my head out over my toes when I'm driving, like really going for it, right? And tonight he had one play where he hit Brog- I think he hit Brogdon. He like pump faked. 
took two hard dribbles, but stayed on balance and then bang, hit, hit Brogdon in speed. I love it when he plays on balance. That one, that, that spin move on Christian Wood was another example of it. Got him up a little bit in the air. Right, let's go in, but I'm, I'm keeping upright. I'm keeping upright. And um, that's what, probably what I'm looking for him this year. I want him to stay aggressive, but I want him to stay on balance and upright. Um, another one to look out for is when he's on fast breaks as well. <laughs> he gets a little excited. Um, and <laughs> he, uh, he, he, he didn't do that. He didn't do that tonight. Um, he had one play. Yeah, or he had one play in the playback where I was like, easy, Grant, easy, easy. And he just saw a screamer of a cross court pass. I think it was to Marcus Smart. But anyway, that's my that's my Grant Williams theory. No, great, great. Thanks, theory. Justin. <laughs> I'm going to uh, <laughs> highlight that. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Joe. Just immediately drawing your own similarities to the Grant Williams. That's that's good stuff. I do feel like you're the Grant Williams of this podcast as well. So it's a, it's a very apt <laughs> comparison for you to make. Um, he is defensively come off the on bench. This game. Yeah, his defensive impact on this game was very notable as well. I know you've all sort of mentioned this as well, but I, I feel like, you know, he's only one for four from three. Uh, Eric Weiss, again, in the chat mentioned potential assists. So those shots are there uh, for Grant. Um, but he really impacted the game in, in other ways, very noticeable ways, particularly defensively. And one-on-one defense, we were calling it out in the in the playback stream that we hosted live during the game prior to this podcast. He did get, on get matched one-on-one with Luca on at least one defensive possession and just completely mm. shut him down. So just his capabilities of defending essentially one through five and the fact that we've got smart with those defensive capabilities as well, that matched with the team actually being locked in defensively for a change just is, is the sort of thing that limits any good offensive team to under 100 points in a game, which is really good to see. There are other individual contributions um, that we should get to. Malcolm Brogdon is probably the next biggest one, I think. It was a, a quiet game for, for Jalen Brown, who was in foul trouble early. So, you know, perhaps we can skip over him or he did have his impactful moments. Brogdon, Jackson, maybe sort of like rising back up into some level of good form. He did, ha- did have some poor moments in this one, predictably so. But I felt like this was his strongest game in a while. What did you think, Jackson? Definitely strongest in a while. I said on the, um, I said on the live stream, he's got a bit of the Jeff Teagues about him. Um, seems to be automatic <laughs> from three. Take it in to try to handle that ball, take it into the paint, and forget about it. Um, and that was—I felt like that was true to begin with, at least. You know, the, the, there was—he was missing some floaters. He was just like taking shots that weren't bad shots, but they just were not going in. Um, but from three, man, he just feels automatic sometimes. And you know, I think it's just super important for like his confidence and to to get to get an, uh, to get a performance like this again because it's no like obviously we attribute a lot of the bench production to um to grant scoring but really like Brogdon was right there with him like I'm pretty sure that those guys will leave our scoring leaders like deep into the second quarter um so his contributions when he's on as is super valuable to this team so yeah, I, I'm going to need to see a repeat of this. Probably, you know, less loose handles, more just you know, good decisive yeah. decision making against the Spurs, and 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 more more so before I can be like, all right, we're sweet with him. Um, but mega mega important uh, performance for this from Bro- from Brogdon for sure. He's been giving up a ton of live ball turnovers lately. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that really me off about. Oh, that's the thing that really annoys me about him. Um, Bleep. <laughs> yeah, like I, the shooting's great. That's cool, but his role on this team is as a creator, and we can't have creators throwing the flipping pill away all the time. But tonight <laughs> there wasn't an issue, except one time. 
Yeah. He's, he's only he's around around one. one, so yeah. yeah, as you were saying, Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things, right? Like we're still in the early dating stages of the Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> experience, right? Like you We swipe you, right, good match. Yeah. yeah, good match. We got the honeymoon phase. He it's was a good chat early. Knocking down bite. Yeah, exactly right. The the, mm. the chemistry was flowing. It was, you know, we're in the small talk phase, easy, we're we're tipsy, like you know, this is <laughs> this is easy, this is good. Um and then, you know, we we start to get in and into it a little bit more, and we're like, ah, oh, there's a few little idiosyncrasies here that we don't love. Um <laughs> and one of those one of those appears to be um one of the things that we are already struggling with and one of like the biggest pain points of this entire team, which is live ball turnovers. We brought you in here and everybody in the national media was like, oh, they brought in the guy who's going to settle them down and not do the live ball turnovers. Well, guess who's doing the live ball turnovers more than anybody else? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, you're just like my ex. I always end up with the why, same. Exactly. Why were you so readily available? How come no one else like this? <laughs> yeah. Why did it only why cost us Aaron Neesmith and some non-consequential pick? Oh, I see. No. Yeah, wait a second. What you're a 29 year old 40, 50, 40, 90 previous All Star Rookie of the Year? What? What are we missing? What are we missing? It's too good here? to be true. Right on paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, Aaron Neesmith absolutely flourishing. Out exactly. There in Indiana. Exactly. Um, mm. Brogdon has got to get back to simplifying. It's Attack, be aggressive and attack. Um, and if it's not there, don't force it because he's he's incredible at getting to the rim. It's this then he forces up some some junk, um, which is kind of similar to a live ball turnover. We've how many yes. Tatum, how many Tatum yes. layups do we see where he's flying into the stanchion? Basically, a live ball turnover back the other way. Mm-hmm. Yep, he throws up. Junk. And it's even worse because we've he's lying on the ground and we're down. Yes. We're down a man. Exactly. Yeah. And so if it's not there, that's fine. You've created the pressure. You've you've your gravity has now brought in the defense, even if it's not a double team. Now, if you kick it to Grant, for example, who you're running the bench unit with, Grant now has either space to get loose on that three or attack the closeouts that he's been getting so good at attacking. So I think he's just got to simplify. It's just shoot the open threes, drive the closeouts. Like you're an you're an elite role player. That's that's what you are now. We don't need you to do too much. Attack closeouts. If the layup's there, take it. If not, bring it out, move the ball, get going. Like, let's just, and that's what he did tonight. Take the open threes, get downhill, um, keep it moving. Wonder if he needs to bring in, like, the Steve Nash move into his game a bit, where Steve Nash would dribble up, up around under the basket. Mm. You remember how he yeah. would do that? Yeah. yeah. Malcolm, if he drives, it's just like, I'm flipping this thing up that's no it. matter yeah, what. You know? Exactly. I don't need that from you, Malcolm. Yeah, definitely a return to form for for Brogdon tonight. Brogger, as we've decided to call him in down here Brogger. at Aussie Land. Uh, I, I suppose the the one other individual Brogdog. performance, Brogdog, big big Brogdogger. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> uh, Derek White. I probably I suppose we have to shout out uh, for, for a couple of reasons. The Mavs were clearly going at him early in the game, and the Celtics did a really good job, sort of adjusting to that point of attack from the Mavericks and bringing doubles to to help um, Derek White in those particular situations. But then I thought for the most part, Derek White held his own quite well. He got burned at the rim a couple of times, as he tends to do. But for the most part, he kept his defender out on the perimeter and, and managed to avoid getting scored on there. Uh, 
I don't know if I can necessarily bring up Derek White in the same vein as Brogdon in terms of like poor performances recently. We did see a couple of threes from Derek White. Yes, we did. Joe, is it is it fair to call this a return to form from for Derek White as well, or am I sort of missing the mark on that assessment? Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna zag a little here, Ben. Please um, zag away. Okay, so so for me, I think if if, he, if Derek White made shots, great. But I don't think, and I say this with with great reluctance because I really want to get his dad on the podcast. I think it'll be great. <laughs> yes, Richard. Please. I don't think Derek White's a forty percent three point shooter. He's just not. No. And um and so if he makes shots, is it a return to form or is it an aberration? Probably mm. more of an aberration. But what I would say is I think he's a I think he's a consistent contributor in his role all the time. And um for me, I feel good when he's on the floor. Um so to say it was a return to form for me would be like, no, I I actually feel like he's been part of a lot of the good things that are happening. Defensively, he's good, but some some matchups just don't work for him. Um, but tonight he didn't. I thought Luca was going to really give him trouble, and didn't seem to happen. So it was good. Yeah, sorry. You set the yeah. tone early, didn't he? You know, he was making life tough for Luca. I, I think I think he blocked him pretty early on um, as well. He had that fantastic block on Spencer Witty. Uh, Spencer, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie yeah, uh, in the third glorious. quarter, uh, which is yeah the most memorable <laughs> play of the game for me. Um, but yeah, no, he just he just set the tone early. You know, Luca was getting nothing. You know, early on that was you know, giving us any trouble. And I think Derek White was like mainly responsible for that defensive effort. Obviously, Smart was the one who then hounded him almost full time after that. But no, for what I think, I think as far as his shooting goes, you're right, Joe, I'm probably not going to be the guy, the solution that we need, you know, be it from the corner or wherever you need. But, you know, defensively, you know, that's what he can do on, you know, on guys that, you know, really should be getting the better of him. And he handled himself so well tonight. So go ahead, Jake. No, no, no. Look, look. The mistress, yeah, the mistress, the mistress. <laughs> he 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 brings it like the difference between him and Brogdon. I think like Brogdon's got obviously the higher offensive ceiling, but where like when I think Derek White's having like when the shots aren't falling, he's always bringing like he's he's Marcus Smart two in this way, and that he makes the winning plays. Like the block on Spencer Dinwiddie, like Brogdon's not making those plays. Like he's making those plays very rarely. Um, Derek White, he's 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 taking charges, he's getting hands in passing lanes. Like that's that's what I love most about Derek White is that he only has to take four or five shots um to still have like a really impactful game. Um I find that he, he's got a tough spot on this team in like there's so many good defenders with size that he ends up being the guy that like people target because they have no other choice. Like mm. um Jimmy Butler in the Eastern Conference Finals and mm. um and with Luca you need size. Like he's so strong. Um, like Derek White's just, he's the choice on it in like a lot of these lineups. Um, but he's able to kind of get his hands in there and, and survive different kinds of ways. But yeah, th- those two threes that he hit in back-to-back possessions were at a really mm-hmm. crucial moment as they were trying to build a lead. Um, that and was separator the- shots. Yes. Yeah. Huge mm-hmm. separator shots. Yep. Um, and they came off ball movement. Now one was in one corner. Next play was in the other corner. And it's like, we don't need you to be the 40 plus percent three point shooter. It's like, he's a career 37, 36% free th- three point shooter. Um, even if he's like Marcus 34%, we don't need him to be um, high 40 or whatever, high thirties. It just needs to be like, he will punish you if you leave leave him wide open 
three-point shooter because um, that's what's yeah. going to happen in the playoffs. Um, and it seems to be a confidence thing with him. So hopefully throughout this season he can just build enough confidence that he's able to just take those wide-open shots. Yeah. he. Um, it, I think he... I don't have an issue with him taking a wide open shot, even yeah. if he's a thirty percent three point shooter. It's um, um, okay. This is my Derek White theory. It's yes, pressure to go. mistake, <laughs> pressure to mistake ratio. So Derek White puts so much more pressure on the opposition relative to the mistakes he makes. Yes. Like, Smart is a high pressure, high mistake player. If if that makes sense, you know, like higher than Derek White, maybe Smart puts heaps of pressure on the opposition. All the time, um, taking an open shot's not a mistake. It puts pressure on the defense, right? If he takes an open shot, he's putting pressure on. He's not making a mistake. I love that from players. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm going to think in terms of pressure to mistake for Derek for for, for players. Um, it's going to be a new theory, man. A new theory. I'm going to work on it. We'll get it good. I just I think the issue that I have with Derek White, and this is tough, and I'm actually glad that Jake is walking away for this one. There he goes. Is that um, I don't want to you know, risk offending Jake here. He just walked away. <laughs> is that? Let's clearly, have a look at Jake's room. Yeah, I've do actually a got tidy I've, up there, I've Jake. Got something, and maybe we can do this in a second while Jake's gone. I've got a little Jake something to share in a second. The the issue, I'm sure this is a common issue among people who watch Celtics games, is that, you know, defenses, sorry, opposing offenses clearly target Derek White on a regular basis on like almost every possession they possibly can. They go at Derek White to some success, to, to relative success there. And then on the other end, on our offensive possessions, they are leaving Derek White somewhat open for those threes. And he is not hitting them at a very consistent clip. He was 40% in this particular game, but he's completely dropped off as far as his shooting percentage. So, yes, he can be aggressive, and his aggressiveness is great in terms of counteracting his defensive deficiencies. But, like, teams are taking advantage of him on either end of the court at the moment. And that's not great. I don't know. Am I, am I nitpicking there? Am I being mm. too harsh on Derek White? Not bad. Not I bad. Think- not bad. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Like, I think um, he's he's great at, you know, hounding the ball handler and he, like, really, like, makes their life, you know, a, a bit of a a bit of a problem, you know, to say the least, when 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 they're handling the ball. But as soon as, like, you're going to get him in the paint or you get him in the post, like, forget it. Like, he's, there's going to be no resistance there. So, mm-hmm. I think they target him, you know, at, it's kind of like the Sam Hauser thing. Like, you know, as soon as he's on the floor, people will just... We'll just go at him, and I just don't think it's the wisest move, or I don't think it's as successful as it can be, unless, like I said, you do get him in the paint. Um, and yeah, like leaving him alone on the on for the open shots. You know, if he if he knocks him down, then you know we're going to end up winning most games by like thirty, like we did tonight. But um, you know, it, he's probably not going to be like that for the most part. So you know, I trust him to make the right play overall. Is probably what I'm getting to say here. I, I can't remember Jake what Jackson or Jake saying, but I, I think to your point, Ben. I think defenses are going to tend to target someone. It's the NBA. It's high pick and roll, right? And he might be the weakest link on the Celtics, right? That doesn't mean he's an overall weak link. Like someone was going to be in that slot. Yeah. You know? I get you. Yeah. So, you know, if Houses out there. Um, offensively, I still think, I think he does so much because he's, he just does so much. Like he's, he's quick to the catch. If you know what I mean, like he, he's one of those guys who has that knack of running to the ball while it's in the air, and um, mm. it's just it's just a skill I happen to love. You know, when I see guys do it, um, 
And and it just to me, he's always doing something productive, you know, mm-hmm. as best he can. I, I don't know. I'm biased. I'm biased to him and Grant. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he's a net positive. And Jake, who is, is back with us now while you were gone, I did speak ill of Derek White. I timed it he well did. while you were out of the room. Uh, literally. How dare you? I know. <laughs> um, I, I do have a little Jake uh, tidbit to share here. Jake was kind enough to share this on Twitter before we... Went live on the podcast. We've got the first person view there of Jake, the makeshift podcast setup. We've got the, the Yeti microphone, the Doritos, couple of beers, the laptop, all set up. Good to go. I just thought Mate. that was a fun little thing to share. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're adapting. We're on the road and sometimes conditions aren't perfect. Yeah, sorry. I had to run out. We had a bleeding, a bleeding fiance's foot in the kitchen. And so- um, Oh, no. She's good. Okay? She's She's going to survive at least another half an hour. Okay. So. All right. Well, <laughs> great excuse for oh, us. We've got, we got time. We've got time. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll move on oh, there. Man. As far as, you know, these post-game pods are, um, are very difficult because, you know, we don't necessarily have a chance to fully digest the game and the post-game. So, just refreshing Reddit here, looking for post-game uh, comments as they come out. We've got Joe Mazzulli here saying that Jalen Brown asked to guard Luka Doncic tonight. I don't know if I necessarily noted <laughs> that. Um, sorry, I'm just looking at Eric's comment here in the chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the marriage. Yeah, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> we'll We're going to wrap this up pretty quickly, Jake, for your sake. <laughs> yeah. Um, TikTok. Josh is just bleeding out in the kitchen. Jake, obviously, like, if you need to leave at any point, please do. It's all under control. I don't know if I necessarily noted any. Jalen Brown on Luca like defensive possessions yeah. tonight. Am I am I crazy? Yeah, can I? No. Yeah, weird thing to share to the media because mm. how many minutes did Jalen even played? Like he even like cracked 19. thirty tonight. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. A bit more. Um, that's cool. Twenty nine. Yeah, so cool that you um you asked. Um, but the way, <laughs> but but like the the way that often the the, the switches and stuff are happening like. They're not fighting over screens because when you fight over screens with Luca to stay like with that matchup, then he just cooks you. You can't go over screens with Luca. Like it's it makes it's so easy for him um, when he gets you on your hip. He's just like as I said, he's so big, he's so broad. He barely feels you. Like Jalen Brown's small to Luca. Like mm-hmm. there's very few people in the league that can kind of like match him both height and girth wise, um, which is why. <laughs> <laughs> Corn dog, corn dog can mention was sure. Manscaped code first eighteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. I feel like Al, uh, I feel like Al. I feel like sorry to jump in. I feel like Al Holford no, no, no. was getting most of the assignments on on Luca yeah. at least early, and he was doing a pretty good job too. So again, pretty might good, just be yeah. the switching schemes that were running, but you know, I felt like Al was the one yeah. taking care of him. He was getting part. him, but Luca was getting was. It's, a, it's, it's like he, Al has the strength. To mostly deal with Luca, but then he was kind of getting blown by a couple of times. Grant, Grant, and Tatum are probably the top two guys that I want guarding Luca. Um, but it feels like Luca knows that. Um, especially, I remember even going back to the, the game in Boston. Um, Luca didn't want any part of being guarded by Tatum. Uh, he wants the the smaller guys, the six four yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Um, I was just going to say though, when Jalen asked, did he ask in the same way that I might like ask? My wife, if there's anything I can do um, to get dinner started, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really looking for a job. <laughs> the, the answer I'm looking for is no. 
<laughs> you're yeah. asking about like 70% of the way through the process. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Want a hand? Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't cook anything, <laughs> but would you like my help? <laughs> um, this is the big post-game comment so far for me is from Joe Mazur. This is tweeted by uh, Jay King. They showed me the quote. They showed me they can do it one time. We have to do it over and over again. That's obvious. Sure, like we all know this, but I just, I guess I'm comforted by knowing that's part of the internal and, and clearly here in front of the press, the external dialogue as well. Like, that's what we're all thinking, right? Like, as fun as this game was, like, okay, great. Let's do it against the Spurs because typically we play down to our opposition. Just did it against the SGA list, OKC Thunder. So, typically, one could easily deduce that we'll do that again against the, the San Antonio Spurs. Let's not do that. Let's, like, blow them out. Mm. Like, let's end the game in the first quarter. I think that's really the... Um, I think uh, John Corrales referred to it as the measuring stick for this team for that next game is, like, let's blow the next sub-tier opponent out within the first quarter. So, that's really important to me. Yeah. I, f- I feel like everyone and their mother knows that Spurs game. feels like that Spurs game is going to be a trap game. And yeah. you definitely didn't feel that about the OKC game. So I just think I just I'm a little bit more confident now than I was probably about three hours ago. Because like you know, our mind goes dark places when you see your team you know ship 150 points on the uh, in a loss. So I was thinking, ah oh, man, this is going to be a four and a road trip because you know Luca's going to go off, and then we're just going to you know just not show up <laughs> against the Spurs for some reason. It's just like. Teams like that, it's probably a terrible analogy, but like, do you ever like play play ball and you like you do your absolute best to like make sure your your technique is correct and like you, your feet are correct and everything like that, and then you just play with some dickhead who just like just, just like chest yes. passing it and and it's going in all the time. <laughs> I just feel like the point I'm trying to make is it's it's, it's almost like we, we we try and do everything we can and we just get, ended up getting like bested by this team that's just like throwing some shit up and just seeing what happens and. Not that I'm saying the Spurs would do that because I think they try to play, you know, I think we've, I think Brad Stevens is trying to get us to play the tw- the 2014 Spurs way ever since he got here. And it's almost like when we go up against the pure test of that, we always seem to, you know, not come out as well. But I think the last time we beat the Spurs was what, that Tatum 60 game? That's it. Yeah. yeah. The last time we beat the Spurs was the Tatum 60 game. So like, I, I hope they're sick of losing to, to the Spurs because I sure as hell am. The guy I work with is a Spurs fan and he is so lippy for a, t- for a team that's, you know, tanking. So. Well- and you get it done. Yeah. yeah, he should be because the Spurs have beaten us in when they have and they shouldn't have like a, three out of the four last times we played them. Yeah. Um. Thankfully, they've we've we traded for one of the guys that was the main reason we lost, and the other guy is now on another team as well. So there's really, really no reason that we should be losing to the Spurs. Yeah. Um. Eric, yeah, in the chat, these guys. I don't. I don't know if this is who they are or not. Um. And expecting like a high level of consistency there from from them is probably unrealistic. And th- this goes back to what we were saying when they had the slide previous to beating the Timberwolves, the Bucks, and the Rockets. It's like I was saying, this is kind of who they are as people. Um, going back <laughs> years now, like they just fall into bad habits for multiple stretches every year. Like the year they were the two seed again. In, in the COVID year where they made the conference finals and lost to the to the Heat. Like there were lulls in that season too. Um like every every year and, and the and the consistent piece of it is Jalen, Jason and Marcus. Um mm. yeah, yeah, years. Like this whole this whole era of the Jays plus Marcus, like we've experienced this. And um I think you just have to take solace in the fact that like what happened on Christmas, 
what happened tonight. I go through the marquee matchups yeah. through the through this calendar year and even previous, like obviously the most recent playoff run, like when they're playing their best and they're locked in, they are one of the best teams in the league. No question. Um, it's just I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Like it's, it's something in the psyche of the fabric of the of the team where they just can't like maintain a certain level of consistency. If, if this is the mm. Eric Weiss that I think I remember from the real GM days. Um, it is. <laughs> it is. Ryan Gomes, man. Eric Weiss love Ryan Gomes. <laughs> we need to get Ryan Gomes in here. Come on. Come uh, on, get an amen. Eric's rubbing his hands uh, somewhere at the moment Uh, I said this on the last podcast but the inconsistency it comes down to the fact that our best player is 24 years old and everyone gets in line behind Jason Tatum who is great he's a great very talented basketball player uh, ahead of his time uh, maturity wise Um, but he's 24 at the end of the day and I think that you can attribute yeah that lack of consistency to that fact. He's not even in his prime yet as a basketball player or really as a human being. And there are leadership, <laughs> there's leadership components of his personality that need to be considered there. Um, and he's not really necessarily even close to scratching the surface, surface of what his peak could be in that sense. I think until we get really to that point where Tatum is flourishing as a leader, we can expect to con- this continued in- inconsistency as far as the, the players around him. I think that's, that's fair enough. Um, it- his, his performances need to be as consistent as his interviews are dull. There you go. The low as, we're, as, we were touching on, as we're touching on in the live stream, you know, just, yeah, nah, just got to keep at it. It's it's all good, you know, on to the next one, blah, 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 blah. Just, just give me some of that with your, with your game. Maybe like with a little bit more, you know, pizzazz, but, you know, consistent. That's what we need. We just, we need this team to win a title so badly because like they, if this is what teams that have won titles kind of do is it's like, yeah, we show you we're like one of the best teams in the league when we can, when we have to, and then we just do dumb stuff other times because we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they don't have that yet. So do that, and then you can just be yourselves, and that's fine, you know? Now, we've got to move on. Otherwise, we're going to be here all, <laughs> yeah, slash all night. The Boston Celtics, according to Shams uh, Chirani on Twitter, trading center slash forward Noah Vonley and cash considerations to the San Antonio Spurs. Um, Presumably, well, it's 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 been documented after the fact too. To shed some uh, some tax money there, I believe they they managed to save themselves approximately seven million dollars uh, in in luxury tax yes. money there as a result of making that trade. Just a quick around the room here, starting with you, Jackson. I mean, there's there's little to glean from this trade other than like clearly it's like a cost saving exercise and the and the um just the uh, by way of opening up a roster spot as well. Any any thoughts on the Vonley trade or any parting thoughts on Vonley as a as a Celtic player? You had a, you had a great two or three weeks at the end of preseason, right at the start, and I thought, oh, hang on, has have we found ourselves a, a diamond in the rough here? But but no, he was he was garbage time uh, commander number number three. Um, <laughs> number so three. <laughs> it's obviously I, I I'm positive that this move was made with a bit of a purpose. I think if you're in the tax, I think saving you know seven million here, whatever. I know seven million is nothing to sneeze at, but I mean, I just think in no, the overall scheme, no, it's of not things, Jackson. Two billion is Yeah, but I just, I just, I just think in the in the context of like trying to build a championship roster, you know, saving a little money here and there, it's it is 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 priority is priority B. Priority A is is creating 
you know, a team that wins. And if that opens up a slot that brings someone in that helps us win, then yeah, um, that's obviously the, the main goal here. So I'm, I'm optimistic that it's going to result in a player acquisition or, or, or something in the, in the near future. Oh, there's, there's going to be moves made, whether it's oh, a yeah. buyout guy or, or a trade. Like Br- Brad, every, everyone's very, very aware that the Celtics have a really good shot at winning the championship. There are no, there's no Warriors, there's no LeBron team, there's not, there's nothing in the league that's like we can't, we can't beat any iteration of what's out there right now. Um, this is just to make space, whether it's a buyout guy, um, you know, it's Justin Holiday from the Hawks. Um, you know, I, we we did a little mini, you know, we'll, and we'll do more of it as we get trade to the trade deadline. line. Javante Green's there's there's plenty of guys out there. Um, that can help bolster the kind of the, the depth of this team. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, right now it's like Vonley, yeah, it was a good shot. There was a reason we had five bigs on the on the roster. Rob was injured. We weren't sure about Cornet. Um, so we brought in extra Blake and extra Lavonley. Um, and honestly, I still think this is like a win, like a positive, like if you were to grade the Noah Vonley move on the Celtics, it's still like a B minus. Like or, or like it was Noah Vonley. It didn't it cost nothing. He helped you like actually survive the non-Rob Williams games um, for the most mm. part. Like it's really all you could ask for. Game Absolutely. one against Philly, he had yes. legitimately good defensive possessions and stretches against Joel Embiid. So I, I thank him and wish you well for that contribution alone. We also got a top. You got fifty. You got a lot of hate protected. on that tweet, Ben. I did. I ended up deleting the tweet. That's the <laughs> only tweet I've ever deleted. Um, because I had multiple people. It was people. so innocuous. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> innocuous. Just you know, thanking him for his time and and hoping that he gets minutes elsewhere where he can go out and commit all six fouls in in less minutes. Um, <laughs> but a lot of hate for that tweet on, on Twitter. So Did I ended you up removing for that tweet. Not a, not a big controversy guy online, so I removed it. But anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> he, he had he had some good stretches. He had some bad stretches. That's pretty much the norm for someone at the fifteenth roster spot or the thirteenth roster spot. Um, so not particularly fussed there. And we did get that top oh. 55 protected second round pick, um, yes, which is short enough as a superstar. Francis in the chat. Way to remind <laughs> us. What a great trade. Brad Stevens does it again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> He's a genius. <laughs> Final thing to touch on here before we wrap up. The all-star, initial all-star fan votes are in. And unfortunately, all I've got here on my run sheet is talk about Tatum all-star. So I don't have the exact figures, but essentially, I believe he came oh, yeah. in fourth in mm. voting for Fords and therefore is not currently projected to make that starting lineup. So if you're listening, if you're watching, pause, open up a new tab, whatever you're you know, watching on, consuming on, go vote Jason Tatum's an all-star because obviously he needs that, that fan vote to prop him up initially here. Jake, do you, do you think that that's going to stand here or do you think once the media and the coaches get involved, we'll see a, a correction uh, in the all-star voting projections? This is a, this is a whole... Front court, back court, positionless basketball, philosophical discussion that we don't have time for today. But like, <laughs> it's the fact that Giannis, Giannis, Embiid, KD, and Tatum aren't all going to start for the All Star game is just so dumb. Maybe I can understand it slightly more for all NBA, but like for the All Star game, it's like why are we not? Why would any of those guys be on the bench? It's just mm. ridiculous. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. It's it's just kind of dumb. He's like a hundred thousand votes behind Embiid, so he could easily get get back in the race. But um, but yeah, it's it's a tough popular. Like if it's a popularity contest right now, and like those like 
KD has has just has heaps of fans from being in the league longer. Um, so Celtics fans got to get on that. Mm-hmm. It's um January sixth here in the uh, in the Antipodes. <laughs> And I don't know how comfortable we are talking about elections. I was going to say, <laughs> happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah, big day. I mean, so what, you're yeah, is we, what you're saying is we storm the NBA if, if things go wrong, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. Adam Silver, watch out, mate. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to – because those three players, in my view, are better than them. So, um, Not indeed for me, no way. Well, sure. But, I mean, your mileage may vary. That's fine. But for me, they are, you know. Um, so, so it's hard for me to get too mad about it, but he's clearly like, I can't think of any other player in the East that's better than him. Um, and if we were to make an imaginary team, I feel like this is how it should be done with all these awards votes. It's like, it's not positionless. You have to put out a team that you think would work as an actual team. Yeah, but you know, this team would obviously work. Yeah, it would. It totally would. I'd, I'd be fine with Tatum in as the, as the guard. In that, mm-hmm. in that scenario, you could but, you could take the top five East and and do a starting lineup as Butler, Tatum, Embiid, Giannis, and Durant. That would work as a team. Like no, as far they'd as be really design. good. I think. Yeah, ten yeah. assists, Tatum. Be put right. him in a point guard. <laughs> yeah, be all right. Yeah. But you know, you couldn't start like you couldn't have like Giannis, <laughs> Giannis, Durant, yeah. Embiid, and like Man. I don't know, even Mobley and Pascal Siakam. You know, like yeah. that wouldn't mm. work as a team. I, I think maybe maybe we should try and do that, but for for the awards and all star games. Like, I mean, it's the Brad Stevens, the ball handlers, bigs, wings thing. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But now, but even then, it's like Jokic people, is a ball handler now. It so punishes like, people. Luck. It punishes people whose strength is versatility, though, because yeah. if you're at like adequate or above average in two different areas, but not elite, if you're not like Jason Tatum, you know. <laughs> You can probably you can might find a better shooting guard or a better small forward, but he's better than every individual in those categories overall. You know, it mm. sort of punishes punishes those guys that they have that versatility to their game. Um, that's why he missed can- All NBA um, a couple of times. Is because he that's he 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 got voted as a guard and a and a forward. Is that he, yeah, he just is as well? So by the way, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wick. He can, yeah, he he can make that once he's signed as Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should wrap this up, guys. We're running a little long here. We've talked about the game. No, We've talked about us. some of the, the news. Yeah, not us. We never do that. Anything yeah, else that Jake's you want to circle back dying. on? Yeah, yeah we've got on. a bleeding foot out there behind <laughs> that, that door behind well, Jake. Because my, my, my parents are watching, and so I get a message in the group chat. My mum to the group to the group chat, hey, is Lucy's, Lucy, is your foot okay? And so oh, I know it's all happening. <laughs> Well, uh, shout out to Jake's parents. Uh, we should probably wrap it up there. Uh, that's going to do it for this one. Have a great weekend, folks. The Green with Envy podcast, they're going to be back on this feed sometime around Sunday night, Monday morning. We'll be back mid next week. Thanks again for tuning in. Jackson, Joe, Jake, love your work, guys. Thanks again. Peace. Cheers, mate. All right. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.